Anyway, it's my joy to bring you God's word this morning, as Rob said, as we continue in our series of preparing the way of the Lord, removing obstacles that, um, that get in the way of people knowing the Lord or of us serving the Lord and building up the truth that uh, enables us to um, meet with God and help others meet with God. Last time I spoke, I looked at love defined and we removed the obstacle of the western notion of love is love which we looked at how that boils down to a statement which is actually meaningless and can be used as an excuse for any idolatry injustice or immorality so we removed that obstacle and we built up the truth that God is love he defines what love is love is personified in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's been summarized by the Apostle Paul for us in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. Love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or conceited or proud. Love is not ill-mannered or selfish or irritable. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but happy with the truth. Love never gives up, and its faith, hope, and patience never fail. And we saw how as God's people, we can receive God's love, be transformed by that love, and then uh, pour out that love, direct that love towards God, his people, and the world around us. And I want to spend a bit more time today on that second part of after we've received God's love, directing that love towards God and discouraging anything that would get in the way of us directing our love towards God. You know, I, I started last time by sharing about how I and Anna met um, and started dating 26 years ago uh, and how we sort of fell in love with each other and directed our love towards one another. And, you know, over the, 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 the last uh, 26 years, particularly in the early days before we were married, but still a little bit afterwards, there have been people who have come along for both Anna and I that we could have been interested in. For some of them, more for Anna than, than me, they've been interested in her, or some, believe it or not, some have been interested in me. I don't know why, but uh, anyway. Uh, and had we not have directed our love towards God and each other, we could have run into problems over the 26 years. Like a ship needs a rudder, and planes need wings and a fin, and hopefully not a mad old 102-year-old on them, uh, to, to get it where it wants to go, our love needs directing to stay true. Otherwise, it deviates to something that isn't true love, something less than God would have it be, and in truth, usually towards something that's a little bit more selfish and more self-centered. Again, the, the saying that you see in some of the films, particularly in some of the kids' films, actually, uh, the saying of, oh, follow your heart. What does your heart say? Oh, the heart wants what the heart wants. is from the world. It's not from God. It's from the world. We need to realize that. You see, the Bible makes it very clear what the heart's like. Jeremiah 17, 9. It's under no illusion 
The heart is deceitful and desperately sick. There you go, that's what your heart's like. The heart is deceitful and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Not even you, it's kind of implying there. And this is the verse for the passage today and for for us to remember. This is what God really wants to uh, grab hold of you with this morning. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. Or to put it another way, the course of your life will be determined by what you allow your heart to go after. Our job as Christians, as believers, believers in Jesus is to direct our heart, not indulge our heart in whatever it desires, whatever feelings it gets, whatever things that we think, oh yeah, I like, like that. We need, to, we need to actually check our heart, keep it in line with what God says in his word and what he is calling us to do through his Holy Spirit. And if we do that, my friends, in reality, what God has for you and what God has for me is the best. It is life in all its fullness. You want to know more joy in your life? You want to know more peace in your life? Who here wants to know more joy, more peace? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. That's all of you. Well, then, don't let your heart deviate into just anything it wants. Submit it to God and his word, and he will bring you into life in all its fullness, into more peace, into more joy in your life. Because remember, my friends, God is the one who defines love. Amen? Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. You'll know these uh, scriptures, many of you who have been uh, a believer for a while, but I just want to look at common ways in which people's love gets diverted. And you can see it here in this passage. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. Now, let me just say, don't get distracted here by the the phrase, uh, in uh, the term, in the last days. We use scripture to help us understand what the Bible is telling us. And Peter makes clear in Acts chapter 2 that the last days started at the time of Pentecost. We are in the last days now. You see, history is on the edge of eternity. It's a bit like, bit like this. Uh, imagine you're going on a journey to the beach, uh, to the seaside like I did yesterday, and you're traveling there. History has been going down that line up until Christ came, died, and resurrected, and the day of Pentecost came, and then history, uh, and then it's, you've arrived at the beach. The sea is there. Eternity is there, ready to come crashing in, but God has us just walking along the edge of eternity, making sure we tell everyone on the shore about 
Jesus. Because at any moment, eternity could come crashing in on us when everybody has heard the gospel. That's what it's like. You read accounts of what Rome was like, ancient Rome. This passage describes what ancient Rome was like. Read accounts of what Viking culture was like. This passage describes what Viking culture was like. Read, a, read accounts of what Britain was like before John Wesley and the, uh, and the revival that we saw then. That passage describes what Britain used to be like. And just look at the news today. Since love has been unhinged from God, this passage describes what it is like today. Now, it's not my job this morning to do an exegesis of this passage, to bring out the full meaning of this passage, because we're looking at the theme of love directed. So I'm just going to home in on the things that it says about love, because what is clear from this passage, although it might not have been directly obvious to you at the beginning, is there's a lot of love going on in this passage. There's a lot of love in it, but it's directed towards the wrong things. That's why it's so shocking. There are other things that can happen. Lovers of self. Lovers of money. Not loving good, which is why all the other things can happen, because they love them in reality. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That is what happens when you follow the flawed logic of love is love or the heart wants what the heart wants or follow your heart. It won't lead you to be a better person. In reality, it boils down to you becoming more selfish, more greedy, more hedonistic. It leads you away from God. Don't deceive yourself, my friends. Do you know, the wisest king of Israel, apart from Jesus, obviously, was King Solomon. And he thought he could love God, love pleasure, and love wealth, and stay true to God. But in the end, it ended up with him drifting away from God, didn't it? And because of him, actually, God says, no, I'm going to split the kingdom. Uh, I'm going to take the kingdom away from your son. I'll leave you one because of David, one tribe. But uh, because of Solomon's sin, you can't do it. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew 6, 24. You cannot serve God and worldly pleasures either. 1 John 2 verses 15 to 16 say, says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's not mincing his words, is he? For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of your eyes, the pride of life, is not from God, but is from the world. Jesus summed it up for us beautifully, and Ken mentioned it in the opening preach of this series. You, this is what we should do. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. 
And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two depend the law and the prophets. Hallelujah. Tied into these two commandments, by the way, as a visible sign of us loving God and as a first priority of us uh, loving our neighbor. Jesus is clear, is a love for his people, a love for the church, love for the people around you. Take a moment, just have a look at the beautiful people around you. That's what God is talking about, loving one another in that. Jesus says it very clearly, a new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's John 13, verses 34 and 35. The Apostle John later actually puts it in another way in his letter in 1 John 4, verse 20 to 21. He says this, and he's talking about love when he says brother. He's meaning brothers and sisters in Christ is what he's talking about. He says, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Again, he's speaking very directly to us today. And this commandment we have from Jesus, whoever loves God must also love his brother or sister in Christ is who he's talking about. True love for God, my friends, you can get people who say, oh yeah, I really love God, but I don't do church. True love for God is directed into love for his people, the church of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, isn't it, that love for God and love for our neighbor is worked out perfectly in the Great Commission. As we fulfill that, we're loving God because he's told us to do it, and we're loving our neighbor because we're pointing them to Jesus, who is the, uh, is the answer to, to, to them and, uh, and for all of us. He's the one that has the best for them. So we're truly loving them by pointing them to Jesus. And what's interesting is how the apostles in the New Testament go about fulfilling the Great Commission. If you look in the book of Acts, what do they do? They go and plant local churches in every town that they go to. And it's through the church that they reach out to that area and onto other surrounding areas and even to the world as well. That local church that gather become, the Bible says, devoted to one another. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Or to put it another way, they direct their love towards Christ and his church and extending his kingdom through the church of Jesus Christ. Love for God is earthed in the reality of love for his people, the church, and extending his kingdom through it. How devoted are you, my friends, to building your local church, to extending God's kingdom through your church? How are you at directing your love and attention and energy towards God's people? That's why the Apostle Paul can write in 2 Timothy 2 verse 10, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, for the sake of the church. He endures it because he loves God and he loves his people. Choosing to direct 
your love and energy to serving and building the church in the everyday and the ordinary and the mundane often enables the church to show the love of God to the world around in extraordinary ways. Hallelujah. Sadly, too often the phrase that people use, I want to do great things for God, really boils down to, I want to do great things because I want to be great. That's what it often boils down to. And yet, Jesus is clear. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all or servant of all. Amen? It's true. So what God is speaking to us again and again, Jesus reminds us of how God sees what's going on in the secret place of your heart and your life when others aren't around. Nothing escapes heaven's notice. And how he encourages us, just offering a cup of water or tea to somebody doesn't escape God's notice, and he will reward you for that. So, so often we can think, oh, isn't it great what Anna was just sharing or what these people are doing in that country over there? And God will say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. But have you seen how so-and-so faithfully serves week in, week out on the tea and coffee? You know, when you get your tea and coffee today, I encourage you to thank the uh, people in there for, for serving you in that way. God will. God will thank them for the work that they do in there. It may not be glamorous, but uh, actually God sees. God will reward it. For the people that set up little gems week in, week out, even though no one will notice, God notices. He will reward you because you're enabling to us as a church to serve the community and spread the love of God to, to mums and young families in this area. We are called my friends, to be missionaries wherever God has called you to live. We're called to serve where, wherever. You know, it's a noble thing to direct your heart to serving God with all your mind, strength, soul in your local church. Funny, I had this prepared before. Rob gave that, that notice, uh, uh, by the way. So it's God, is, God is speaking to us. It's a timely word to him. Yes, other valid ministries, you know, they come alongside uh, the church, come out of the church and run alongside it and, 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 and can be a, a great help to it. But the Bible says, now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being displayed in the heavenly Places. Andy Johnson talked a few weeks ago about the fatigue we can get of giving when we've been giving for many years in a local church. Can I say the same can be true of serving as well? Over time, if we're not careful, our love for things that give us pleasure, that aren't necessarily sinful in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with it, but our love of those things can squeeze out our devotion to his church. Oh yeah, I would serve more if it was convenient, but that's the time I do X, that's the time I play Y, that's the time I do my weekly hobby. Do you know, in this country, for many... That's a 
It's not a fire alarm, that one, is it? That someone's opened a door somewhere. Yeah, so don't, that's not the fire alarm. That's someone's opened a, one, a back door that they shouldn't have done or something like that. Probably the, someone over there. Ah, there you go. Yeah, so don't, there you go. <laughs> it's a warning from heaven. There you go. Yes, no. Yeah. Back in the room. <laughs> it's a bit like that this morning, isn't it? Uh, do you know... In this country, many of us have the privilege of doing something that is truly great for God. Uh, doing, doing lots of great things. And do you know what that's called? It's called retirement, my friends. Yeah, it is. You know, in many countries in the world, this is not an option. You have to keep working. And when you stop working, you, you, it's because you physically can't and you die quite quickly afterwards. I just feel it's right, actually, to challenge us or inspire those of you who have retired or are thinking about retirement. Yes, of course, have some special times doing the things you love. But first, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And let everything else fall into place around what he is calling you to do and how you can serve. People... Those people who do that may, may not have your names written in the, in the history books, uh, written by men. But I tell you, your heavenly Father will see. And he will reward you for serving his people. For those of us who are still working, or for those of you who are still studying, God wants you to direct your love for him through working hard unto the Lord. The Bible's quite clear of that. And then in what time you have, giving yourself to serving him through your local church and through other things and ministries that the church is involved with. My friends, keep your heart. That's what I'm saying. You, you have a responsibility to do this. Keep your heart directed towards loving God and working hard for God in whatever area he has called you to do and extending his kingdom through his people. Today, God is wanting to raise your view of the importance of his church in his plans around the world. And can I just add here that for those of you who out of faith and love for God have given yourself to serving loved ones who have uh, ha happened to have some physical or mental illness that has meant life has taken a very different path than you expected. Or maybe you yourself are that person who, because of physical or mental illness, life's taken a different thing and you've had to, in faith and love, hold on to what God uh, what, what, what you have to go through in God, and yet you still try to do what you can. My friends, great will your reward be by God for, for doing that as you hold on to him in faith, making the best use of time and energy that you can with what you have. My friends, heaven sees that. And those of us who have carried well the biggest burdens, personally speaking, 
can expect to receive a great reward from God for that. That's love directed to a noble purpose. That's an example to the church of what true sacrificial love is like. So don't, don't, don't discount what you're doing there, my friends, as well, if you're in that situation. Many of the people that me and Anna personally hold in highest regards are people that fall into that camp. And again, the history books may not, uh, may not have their names in there, but actually heaven, in heaven, they will be first. They will be some of the first that were maybe considered last here on earth. My friends, when you choose to be lovers of God rather than lovers of pleasure, when you choose to give yourself to serving God rather than serving yourself, to directing your love towards what God calls good rather than what your heart wants, instead of limiting your life, Jesus will give you fullness of life. Instead of squeezing out joy in life, which is often what those things of the world do, Jesus brings you fullness of joy. Instead of finding temporary and fleeting pleasure, God will give you pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11 makes clear. So let's follow Jude's advice to us that says this but you beloved building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the holy spirit keep yourself keep yourself in the love of god waiting for the mercy of our lord jesus christ that leads to life eternal through the spirit's help let us keep ourselves receiving the love of God as we keep our love directed towards Christ and extending his kingdom through the church, bringing Jesus into any and every situation that we come across. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can I invite you to stand? Can I invite the worship team to come back up? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus... And as we've been singing, and as, uh, uh, as I've been speaking, you realize that God isn't first in your life. And you think, actually, I, I, want to, I want this. I want to make God first in my life. I realize he has the best for me. Can I encourage you just to pray this prayer along with me? It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of recognizing that we can't do it, because you can't do it in your own strength, nor can I. We need Jesus. Jesus did it. Jesus lived that perfect life. He died on the cross to take the punishment for the times that you and I, which we all do every day, fail God. He takes that on himself so that all who put their faith in him can be freely forgiven and know him. That's the first thing that he wants you to do is to receive his forgiveness, receive his love. And so if that's you, can I encourage you just in your hearts, God knows what you're thinking, just to pray this prayer of surrender to Jesus along with me. Just repeat the words in your own heart, in your own head uh, of this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved me enough to die on a cross to save me. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done wrong that offend you.
and through the power of your spirit that raised Jesus to life again. Help me to live the rest of my life for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please come and see me afterwards. Or if you're watching online, please contact the office. We'd love to just give you a little track to help you understand more about what you've done and to how you can go on in your Christian walk. But I also felt it right just to pray for us generally this morning that, that you know, so easily, and this isn't just, you know, sort of, oh, this might be one of us and not, you know, somebody else. All of us have that challenge of having to keep our heart, having to keep hold of it and direct it towards God. Sometimes some of us, we get distracted by more things. Uh, Other times we're more focused on God. But this is a daily thing that we need God's help in. So I just want to pray that God would help us to do that. And then we're going to sing because we, what we should be doing is bringing Jesus' name into every situation that we go into. So let me just pray for us, and then we're going to sing to close the meeting. But if you want prayer for anything in particular that I've raised, or if you want prayer for healing afterwards, please come down the front over here, and we'd love to to pray with you. Let's just put our hands out to respond to God. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so much. Oh, thank you. It's your love that changes us. And Lord, I just pray for each person here, would they experience something of your love upon them now, I pray. Father, thank you we don't earn that. Thank you we don't deserve it. Lord God, you freely love to pour out your love into our hearts through Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you will grab hold of our hearts, Lord God. You'll grab hold of our minds, Lord God. You'll grab hold of our lives, Lord God, and help us to keep them focused on you focused on pleasing you, devoted to you, devoted to your people and to extending your kingdom to the world around, Lord God. Help us to be single-minded, single-hearted in our love and devotion to you. Lord God, thank you, Lord, that your way is the best way. Your way brings true life. It brings true fullness. It brings true joy. It brings peace. It brings freedom, Lord God. And we want that freedom to be in us so it can flow through us to the world around. So Lord, have your way in each one of us. Lord, I pray for those of us that are in a place where we're slightly distracted, where, whether it be through um, uh, uh, things that we're finding appealing, Lord God, or whether it just be through some of the difficulties that we've faced in life, that we got distracted by ourselves rather than devoted to you. Lord, thank you that in your grace you lovingly restore us. Thank you that in your grace you're calling those people back to you now to say, come on, come on, focus on me. Give yourself to me. I have the best for you. I love you with an everlasting love. Lord, just draw them back to you, Lord God. And Father, keep them focused on what you have for them. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.